We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. There we go. Welcome to the program. This is uh, PT Pinecast. Podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. I'm Jimmy McKay. I'm your host, broadcasting live from the Arius Medical Studios, also known as my living room now. Uh, find them online at AUREUSmedical.com. That is AUREUSmedical.com. Leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget, available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, wherever quality podcasts are heard, and even where the bad ones are heard. We'll be there too. Uh, now, video these as well, so you can watch along if that's what you get kicks on. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at PT Pinecast on the social channels. A uh, great show for you tonight, highlighting something I think this is just the beginning in this world uh, a regional conference, right? States coming together pooling their resources for maximal value to you, the physical therapist. If you're thinking about upping your game and you got some con ed dollars, or you just want to educate yourself on a variety of topics, we're going to dive in just a little bit with three presenters coming up in a, a, a conference uh, happening in the Northeast, but it's happening on the couch near you. So great show for you tonight. Let's bring in our first guest. First guest tonight, faculty member at Sacred Heart University, been involved in the uh, proposal peer review and conference planning process of the APTA Connecticut Annual Conference for six years, Jay Grimes, welcome back to the show. Here he is. Hey, Jimmy, thank you very much. Very excited to be here. Thanks for uh, th- thanks for having me back on. Uh, Jay, first question, as always, always the hardest. We get the hard questions out of the way first. What are we drinking? Well, Jimmy, I've been lucky enough to receive a little bit of focal banger from uh, from the Alchemist. Focal banger. Uh, yeah, wow, this is the Alchemist from Stowe, Vermont, and this usually does not distribute outside of Vermont. But I recently heard that, you know, maybe because of some of the, the tourism challenges and everything wow. else up there, on uh, I think on a temporary basis, they're distributing outside of Vermont. And, and it's funny, I saw the message, and a couple days later, I just stumbled into a store that happened to have some. So this is a special treat, a special treat. I like it. I also am drinking a special treat, and it was mailed to me by you. Oh, very good. Excellent. You sent well, me the Mega Boss IPA. This is from a local brewery. You've got some stuff going on with Con Ed Continuing Education courses. Yes. Talk about that. What's the website? We want to make sure we dig in. Yeah. So the, the website is partnersforrehabexcellence.com. Uh, myself and, and Jay Meyerson um, uh, kind of promoting some, some continuing education that's really targeted for new grads, young professionals, folks that are just looking to Get some content, but also the, get the clinical reasoning behind it, and not just not just skills. And um, so, yeah, so we rolled this out. It was kind of one of these these inventions that you know grew out of the COVID times, and you know a lot of push to online and and the lack of being able to do stuff face to face. So it's um it's cool. it's been a nice been a nice project. Looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, well, I did a voiceover for you because you guys were doing some social media stuff, and I was yes, like, hey, man, don't worry about it. And then beer shows up the next day, and that is the straightest way to my heart. So, here's uh, <laughs> to you, my friend. We take hey, our cheers. cheers, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first round is brought to you by our friends from the Owens Recovery Science. Um, talk about OwensRecoveryScience.com, a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply it properly in clinical practice. They have their own podcast as well, Owens Recovery Science Podcast, available on iTunes. And again, that website, OwensRecoveryScience.com. Um, so you got a pretty, you got a bat lead off here, and you got heavy hitters Ooh. coming in behind you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real. 
this is a, a a bit of a different idea, right? We're we're months into the COVID times. I think we can just call them times at this point. As Jay Myerson saying, "Hi, your partner in crime." There he goes. Um, Thanks, Jay. Some states, four specifically: Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Never forget Rhode Island. Never, never forget. That's right. Um, really pooling resources, coming together, and saying instead of "Hey, listen," normally you guys might have separate state conferences, which is cool. You get together with your colleagues network a little bit uh but now that we're 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 we're, we're what we uh we're physically distant but socially together socially connected we want to be yeah. um you guys decided to do something a little bit different talk about what you guys are doing yeah so you know it's it's this was just the seemed like the best time to do it but we've talked about kind of doing this regional idea for just the reasons you mentioned you know it's it's a lot of work it's it's oftentimes a, a financial consideration but to to put these these conferences together and and to make it a good investment for you know clinicians in the state that are chapter members or just even in a larger in a larger spectrum, you know it's just it, it, we we bounced the idea around and and it just kind of never gained the momentum and then all of a sudden it just seemed like you know what if we're gonna do it now's the time to do it yeah and and like you said pooling the resources and and not just from a financial standpoint but but from your physical therapy catalog right I mean you're gonna get more members you're gonna get more clinicians you're gonna get more folks that are out there doing good things and could get out there and, and talk about it. So it just it made great sense. You know, I think we're all very excited to see where this where this goes. And and hopefully this is the beginning. And hopefully it's not just a, a once and done kind of thing. You know, I, I think it's, you know, the conference at each state level has had its, you know, it's it's really good successes. But I think this could now just bring things to a whole nother level because you're putting now these these multiple states together and trying to combine efforts there. Yeah, Kyle Stapleton saying hi. Uh, Kyle Stapleton, a good example, right? Went to school in uh, in Connecticut. Yes, he uh, did. Now he's at Duke for a residency. That's exactly right. Can he come to the conference? Well, traveling in the past might have been difficult, but now he can pop in uh, and check out the programming. That's like kind of the great added bonus. Like you know, we're focused on a lot of things that COVID and the situation has taken away from us. I think, and we're gonna we're gonna talk with a, a guest coming up in just a little bit about some of the things it's given us. It, I think it's highlighted some of our, I'll say opportunities and weaknesses, but then you can strategize on them and, and make them strengths and opportunities and not have to just worry about threats and weaknesses. Right. Um, as we do the SWOT analysis, of course, we don't cover that in PT school a lot. But, um, right. Right. but I love pooling resources. So you're going to be presenting. You, you've been part of putting on the the, the state uh, conference in Connecticut before for a while. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be presenting at this virtual conference. And again, we're going to put the link to the conference so you can, you can get your, your ticket, check it out on your couch or whenever you want. Um, what are you presenting on? What, uh, what value are you bring Yeah. So, you know, again, as this all came together, I was very fortunate to be contacted by David Nolan, who, uh, you know, is, is out in an MGH Northeastern sports residency program. And, and he was, he had been preparing something for the, the Massachusetts conference. And then again, all these state conferences were, were canceled. And then the plans came together to do this regional thing. So to his credit, kudos to, to him. I think he's been great kind of putting this panel together, but he reached out to various, you know, uh, residency programs throughout the States and said, Hey, listen, why don't we, why don't we try to put all these, you know, these resources together and provide a residency fellowship topic that covers, you know, across the four States. So, um, so my role there is actually quite small, but I've been invited as a panelist to just kind of talk about the orthopedic residency program experience in Connecticut and with what we do at Sacred Heart. And uh, again, I think David's done a great job putting this together and, and his, you know, I want to give him the credit for spearheading this. And I think it is going to be a great resource for folks, you know, new grads or clinicians 
that are looking for more information on residency and and trying to kind of navigate those waters. Yeah. All right. So you work in the in the residency in, in, environment. I was actually just uh, doing a, little, a quick uh, workout with one of the former residents uh, out there, Sacred Heart, uh, John Denoyles, who says hi, by the way. Yeah, he's a great guy. Hey, John, hope you're well. He's a he's a good guy. He's got some really cool stuff coming up in the near future. But um, he, he reflects back upon his residency uh, pretty glowingly. He uh, he says it really it, it, it made a big difference in his in his clinical practice as an orthopedic residency director. How do you suggest now that some students are sitting around and thinking, man, what's next? Where am I going? Is it clinical practice? What's that going to look like? Maybe they're thinking about a residency. How do you recommend you know student PTs learn about residency programs? From afar, they might look very similar, but you want to make sure you match really well with one. So what do you suggest? Yeah. And I always, when I talk to folks, when I talk to candidates, it's, it's, it really is, it's not the most easy process to go through. I think it's, you know, there's not like one source. I think, you know, Abtree did a great job of putting the, the program directory together. And that's only been a few years that that's been there. But I think that's the first place to look is when you're looking at the Abtree accredited programs, that directory of programs is, is, is a valuable starting place. But you'll see that that's just a, a snapshot. And then you're, you're kind of led to the link to the program page. And, and you know how it goes. I mean, as you go through these various program pages, you're just searching for, for information. And oftentimes it's stuff that kind of has to be there. Right. And, and you're not necessarily getting the, the meat and potatoes about, well, what, what makes you different from the other program down the road or 3,000 miles away? And, um, and that's a hard thing to do. So I, I always tell people, start there. I encourage folks to reach out to program directors. Really? You know, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it doesn't bother me. You know, I enjoy the, you know, I mean, again, on the, on the academic side of things, we're so used to interacting with DPT students and the numbers are just so much more massive when it comes to the DPT students. And when you get an email from an occasional, you know, candidate who's interested in residency, again, it's just, it's not the same volume of, of, of responding to DPT student inquiries. And I enjoy those conversations, you know, to hear, you know, different stories, different backgrounds. Um, so I, I encourage that email and, and I've even gotten phone calls and, and or I've given my cell phone and said, hey, listen, I'm going to be in the car driving for 30 minutes now. Give me a call and, and let's chat right. because I know it's not easy to get the information off the websites right. and it's just it's not easy. So I think do that. And then I think be prepared with some questions and, and have a little bit of insight of what do you want residency to do for you? What are you hoping to get out of residency? What's your five year? What's your 10 year plan? Where do you see yourself? Because that can help you kind of filter through some of the options. I tell people all the time, an interview is not like, it's not a competition. You're not trying to win this. It's literally called an interview for a reason. And that's where you're exchanging information. And you do that with questions, like, right? Like we're always told, hey, in a job interview, always have a question or two. You should be, I don't, I mean, you should be 50-50, especially for a residency, yeah. right? You should be 50-50 driving that bus in terms of that conversation because you've got to know what, you've got to know what success looks like, right? As, as physical therapists, it's one of the questions, first questions we're taught is like, what does success look like to you? And then be asking questions to make sure you will be getting success at this particular program. And again, winning or getting accepted is not a victory right. if it's the wrong uh, uh, program for you. Right. Um, what about tips for those applying or thinking applying? So let's go further down the timeline. Okay. This looks like something that uh, that I want to check out, and you'll be. I'm imagining discussing this more in depth in the uh, the discussion of the Northeast Conference again on November seventh. Um, tips on applying or thinking about applying. When should they do it? What resources? That sort of thing. 
Yeah, and again, that's one of the other challenges is, is there's no uniformity with, with deadlines or application dates or interview dates. And there's been some discussion about trying to do that, but there's just not enough support. Programs are on different calendars. Right. So that, that makes it a little bit challenging. So I think you got to start this process, you know, like some of the program application deadlines will come up end of the year or January, February time. So, you know, now it's kind of the thick of it. I mean, I know for us with, a, with an August start date, you know, we'll really look to get the applications in and then do interviews in January, February and have a decision in place by March. So now is kind of that time. Um, you know, I think you want to go into it with a sense of where do you want to be? Like, like the, one of the big things already is, do I want to go on an, on an academic housed residency or do I want to be kind of more in that clinical environment with a residency program that belongs within a clinical facility? Um, you're going to get little different, you know, differences in experiences there. So, so I think that's a big first thing to consider is, you know, do you want some teaching? Do you want some research and scholarship? Or do you just want to really excel and thrive and just be immersed in the clinical environment at 110%? Or do you want a little bit of a kind of both of those things? And, um, and yeah, going back to the interview, I, I agree with you, Jimmy. I look at it as just as, as much of an opportunity for me to sell the program and to make it clear of, of, of what Sacred Hearts program offers. And, and if people don't get that information from the website or other areas, I want to make sure I can try to fill those gaps and, and help people understand, here's what we do. Here's how things are different than, than other programs you might be looking at or what the university setting tends to offer. Yeah. It sounds like do your, doing your homework, right? And not rushing in. It's yeah. not, this is not the shotgun approach of just applying for as many programs. And again, I want to reiterate, getting in or getting accepted is not a victory. If it's the wrong program for you, that program is right. going to suffer because you're not going to fit. You're going to suffer because you're paying for it with time and money and effort. Um, so doing your homework sounds like making is, is, is one of the first steps. All right. So let's get real granular then. Oh, Why boy. should, let's say someone's going, okay, all right, this J guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what he's putting down. What are the benefits of a residency program? What's the first step in that, in that timeline going, okay, what do I, what's the goal here in terms of me? What, what are my benefits? Yeah, and I always looked to my own self coming out as a new grad. And, and that was, you know, I'd, I'd say about 16 years ago. It, it was some time, but it wasn't all that long ago. And, um, you know, I came out as, a, as a, a new grad, very wet behind the ears. And, and I think of how long it took me to really progress and to really get to the point where I felt like I was, I was where I wanted to be. And, and that took a while. Like that, you know, I'll still talk to people about those first few months or even those first couple of years where um, I'm like, boy, I'm just wasn't really content with where I was. And, and it took some time and it took a lot of shopping around for different con ed courses and different programs. And what I think residency does is, is truly accelerate that, right? A lot of people talk about residency as kind of a, you know, a, a platform to get you ready for board certification. And, and it absolutely does. But more importantly than that, I think it just accelerates that development of skill, clinical reasoning, and, and hopeful clinical expertise so, I mean, I look at where, you know, folks like John Denoyles, you know, some of our grads and, and where they get after one year of residency. And boy, I tell you, that might have been five years for me, just kind of doing the grind of treating patients and not really having mentorship and not having the advanced coursework, not thinking about clinical reasoning, certainly not reflecting on what I was doing. And, and you know, residents now hear me talk about reflecting all the time, that there's no such thing as too much reflection. Reflect during the day, reflect on your drive home, think about what you could do, what you could do better. I hated it in PT school. And again, I was a second yeah. career PT student. And I, when we had to do it, I literally rolled my eyes and like did the yeah. bare minimum. Yeah. And since I've graduated, 
I do it often and need to, and I, I do it a little differently. I, I do. I mean, if you look around my apartment, it's just post-it notes, post-it notes, and I'll write just something down and I'll just walk away from it. I'll find it a day or two later. I'll be like, let me think about why I was, why I wanted to write that down and how that was important to me. And like, it doesn't have to be like long. Like the thing that intimidated me with the reflection was always like, it's got to be long. And you, cause there was always a minimum in PT school, right? They wanted us to at least put forth some effort. Right. So I did that, right. yeah. but I hated it. But ironically, I do it a ton now and it's really helpful. Yeah. You know, I tell the guys all the time and I use the old, your, your drive home, use your commute home from the clinic. Yeah. You know, think for five or 10 minutes on your commute. Think about the day, think about what you did well, what you could do better questions that you have as to why so-and-so is not getting any better. And then shift gears, turn on the music, you know, and enjoy the rest of the commute, but take five or 10 minutes and just think about things that alone. Again, I wasn't doing it. I was like you, I probably got burnt out of doing it in PT school. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm through school now. I don't need to be thinking about that. It's like, well, who was I kidding? I mean, that was that was not the right move. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. It's really just accelerating that development. I think the mentoring, just about every resident I've ever talked to says mentoring was was the biggest benefit, was, was the thing they found most beneficial for their development as a resident. Now, on top of that, you're getting the, the, the advanced coursework. You're getting some journal club stuff. You're looking at evidence. You know, you're teaching in our program but mentorship and, and accelerating that, that clinical excellence. Uh, question. Does a person need to know exactly what they want to do in PT to do a residency? Or have you seen success with those PTs who are like, Hey, listen, I want mentorship in what, I don't know, but I, I definitely want that. And they did some reflecting and they're there, but if they don't know exactly where they are, have you seen success with those PTs and students who found a path in residency? It's a great question. It is a great question. And you know what? I mean, honestly, my, my first response is the residency programs are definitely set up at that specialty level, right? I mean, they're, they're built that way. They're built for, you know, got an orthopedic residency, you have a pediatric residency, you have a geriatric residency. So to some degree, you know, I think they are intended to help you develop the skill and knowledge in that specialty area. But at the end of the day, I mean, we've had a couple of, uh, one or two that, that I know, you know, finished, did OCS and maybe took a little, a little segue into another specialty area. They just, they needed a change. They got burnt out. You know, they might have come back to orthopedics or they might not. But at the end of the day, that knowledge, that clinical reasoning, those behaviors, those routines, hopefully good routines, those are going with you. And at the end of the day, it's a it's clinical, right? I mean, it's we're treating patients, we're interacting with patients. I wouldn't say that it's a waste. I think that's still gonna make you a better clinician, a better therapist, a better person. But um, but I do, you know, with that being said, they are geared towards specialty practice. So isn't that great though? Like you mentioned someone going like maybe through an orthopedic residence and then pivoting to a different specialty. Like how cool is that for our profession that you can just, you can kind of do that. It's a great thing. I mean, I've seen it with my wife and you hear the stories, right? I mean, folks burn out, you know, I I tend to hear it about folks in ortho in orthopedics and they get burnt out of ortho. But the good thing is you don't need to go change your whole career. I mean, my wife burnt out of ortho and then she just went into pediatrics and she became a pediatric therapist and she loves it. She's, um, you know, she's, she's very happy with that change, you know, and she yeah. thought she wanted ortho and she was able, and just like that, just on a dime, you pivot and, and, and you go another direction and, and, you know, it changes your life. And that's, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Love it. All right. So we're going to, we're going to make you leave. We're going to throw you All out right. for a minute, but we're, we're going to bring you back at the end. Cause we got to get through. Okay. And this is what I think highlights 
Um, the great thing about the conference that you guys are, are are drawing together from different states is you're kind of you're you're broadening this pool in terms of different topics, all available at the same time. Again, that's November seventh. The uh, the link is just below. All right, so you're gonna take off. We're gonna bring in our next guest, and uh, here she is, uh, Angela Campbell, no stranger to the show, president of APTA Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Section. Are you an academy or a section? You know, we're hoping to have our membership vote on that officially in uh, about a month and a half. So, wow, good luck for that. It sounds way fancier. I'll give you that. Well, welcome back to the show. You're critically passionate about the heart and breath of PT. If that's not a great intro, I don't know what is. It is. That's me. Yeah. Uh, we get the hard questions out of the way first. What are we drinking today? Last time you were on the show, you had something fancy. I know. You know what? I, I, I set my glass of wine down. So just tonight, it's cold outside here in New England. So a glass of red wine to warm things Smart. up. Smart. I like that. All right. Little so you know, we're giving like a highlight here. Some of just some of the heavy hitters um, from the uh, this, this conference going on in the Northeast, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Massachusetts and Rhode Island. You are going to be presenting on this. So first off, let's talk about this conference. I mentioned it with uh, with Jay at the top of the show, a little bit of a different dynamic. And I like how you guys are drawing on each other's strengths. You're keeping New England strong. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great opportunity to hear people that we wouldn't hear necessarily from our own state chapters. There's absolutely no reason to compete with each other for our resources. Uh, as we have seen with so many things related to COVID-19, everything is better together. It's a great way for students to still network with each other and to find out what's out there in the profession. So I think it's going to be a wonderful thing. All right. November 7th, the link is uh, is down below. We'll also put it in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast, which comes out after this video cast thing that we're doing. Um, if you can't breathe, you can't function. We had yeah. uh, Mastery on the show not long ago. It's one of her courses. Um, talk about that. I mean, you said you're, you're in your intro, which I think is a great one, right? I mean, you're just really talking about really caring about the heart and breadth of physical therapy as a profession. Um, so talk about, you know, when you hear you can't breathe, you can't function, coming in from a, a cardiovascular physical therapist, cardiopulmonary, um, wh where's your head go? Yeah, I think, you know, we're moving towards the idea of the movement system and thinking how all of the systems interact with each other. So I had been hearing as a cardiopulm specialist about a lot of people doing breath work with physical training, with physical fitness, with low back pain, with a lot of different things. And, and really thinking that if we need to pay attention to, to all aspects and care for the whole patient, and we're going to do a better service to get them to be at the place they want to be. Yeah, very important. We found that out early. You were on a, you were on an earlier episode. I feel like we we did, man, maybe half a dozen really COVID specific, and that was us playing catch up, right? right. Um, you were on with. Do we have like five or six of you really like presidents of 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 different sections and academies for that APTA's Pacer program? That was a that was actually one of our most downloaded episodes of the year. I know I, I don't know Ooh. if I'm telling people too early, but you're <laughs> gonna be in our our twelve our wrap up uh, in December. Um, but that's really highlighting the, the, the different, you know, breath. Uh, so we're doing there the breath. Yeah, uh, like it. Our clinical practice. Um, when when you see this start to come up more and more, and this is kind of like your jam, mm -hmm. how, uh, how it's affecting. How can PTs in this area of COVID really improve breathing patterns? If that's something they haven't heard about for a while since yeah. PT school. What can we do? Yeah. Where can we get more resources? Well, at the conference, I'll be presenting on a uh, session called the science of breath. So it's getting you yeah. back into maybe a little bit of what you learned about in PT school, thinking about the physiology of how we breathe. Um, I think much like 
that there's all forms of normal gait and there's normal deviation, we're going to see that's true with breathing as well. But what we want to know is, can the patient breathe in a way that allows them to function how they want to? So is there something about the way they tend to hold the breath that they're carrying a lot of stress that's going to result in pain? But even how are we making sure that they're efficient in their breathing to improve their endurance, especially some of these COVID survivors? And this is something a PT can do. I mean, when you put it that yeah. way, can't breathe, you can't function. Well, it makes complete sense. I think that was like my first statement to Mary Mastery when we had her on the show. I was like, well, that yeah. makes sense. And everything she was talking about was making sense. Um, something we're not doing right now, but it's okay because we're in different states and this is a virtual recording, is wearing a mask, right? I mean, right. We, we, yeah. we had you on the show for the APTA's aerosol uh, generating procedures uh, episode. Yeah. How are people affected by wearing a mask? even if not affected by COVID. Let's talk about that because I feel like there's a lot of myths or disinformation. Let's just talk about yeah. the stuff that we know. Well, th absolutely. You know, the, a mask will make you feel like it's harder to breathe because there is a barrier there. But if you don't have an underlying lung pathology, you're not going to see any drop in your oxygenation. So I think there's always that fear in the public and, uh, and out there that, you know, I can't get my breath or I'm not going to be able to get my breath. And really, we know that it takes a lot of lung dysfunction before you actually see someone's oxygen saturations go down. And I think that's the important thing. And if you look at some of the, the even training environment, pre-COVID, they used to wear masks. There are training masks that people use. And really, that's about training your ventilatory system to work harder. So given that extra load, right, that extra resistance to breathing can free them up when they're without the mask. So yeah, the masks are not going to interfere yeah. and make your oxygen drop. That came out as a big story, uh, clickbait for a little while, a few months ago, and uh, a, a real outspoken physical therapist on social media or in person, whenever we can go back in person, was Rich Severn. And Rich went to the micro level. I mean, I'm talking micro. He was talking about the size of an oxygen molecule and the size of the space in the mass. He's like, here's the deal. I'm just showing you size. I know you can't see it. But we can measure it. And uh, these oxygen molecules, the things you like, the air, the air you can breathe. You can breathe right through there. So, right. I think we continue to uh, to to give the the right information and do that effectively. And that's why we were glad to have you on the show a couple times for this. Yeah. Um, so, something else I want to talk about. What does this, what does this mean? Uh, I found this somewhere. Beyond the ABCs, <laughs> to the F, and don't forget the Gs. When discussing O2, well, what, what is this? <laughs> so the, the big thing, if you were following the critical care aspect of, of COVID-19, is that a lot of therapists were talking about this thing called the P to F ratio. And it's the ratio of your partial pressure of oxygen in your blood to the fraction of inspired oxygen. So how well are you oxygenating and how much O2 does it take to get there? And what we're seeing is that some of these patients are continuing to need oxygen, or maybe they're even desaturating a little bit once they leave. And then we still want to think about that P to F ratio, even if we're not an ICU therapist. So for example, if I can do something without oxygen that I didn't do before, I'm improving in my endurance, even though it's the same exact task, but now I need less supplemental oxygen to do that. I'm improving that P to F ratio. And the G's is about, you know, blood gases and making sure we don't forget about them. So right. use the information we have available to us. And, and you're digging into this uh, during the Northeast Conference on November 7th. Yep. When someone walks Absolutely. through, what, what are they going to be uh, to transformed? How will they, how will they be better <laughs> armed? 
I think they're not going to take for granted their own breathing and they're going to think about how they might be able to incorporate some techniques into their own lives. I think they're going to be aware of just how they breathe throughout the day. And, right. you know, again, it's that it's that place we carry stress. And if you do any kind of stress reducing technique, it's all about harnessing the power of the parasympathetic nervous system. And you do that through intentional breathing. And so I think hopefully just awareness will will be a great thing. I think awareness is going to be huge. And we talked about this several times when you came on the episode. You know, 2021, APTA's 100th centennial, 100th anniversary. Yeah. I think we're really going to highlight the value of physical therapy, um, unfortunately, in this in this way for this reason. But uh, there's we, we did an episode about a week and a half ago for um, post-acute COVID syndrome as long haulers, as they yeah. as they've been been labeled and and breath work very very important both both acutely and long term we we there's some people who are in the physical therapy profession who've been affected by covid who are saying listen right. walking around the block yeah months post is still right. difficult but breathe work breath work has really really um helped to increase their endurance and they're gonna have to be doing this for a long long time so that's a reminder this Absolutely. is important right now acutely but it will be chronically unfortunately yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's unfortunately something that we're going to see some of these long term effects. And we just don't know enough to really aggregate things. And, and uh, you know, we're going to need to provide the services that we always do by looking at where where is someone's impairments and what do I have in my toolbox to help them out? And I think if we can think about the whole person and every system, we're going to do the best job for them. So come come to the Northeast yeah. Conference, listen to Angela, yeah. amongst others, and uh, put some more different things in the toolbox. Anything else you want to say before we kick you out of the bar and bring you back in just a little bit? Uh, no, I'm good. That's fine. All right. All right. Well, don't go anywhere. Just going to kick you off the stage don't for go anywhere. Uh, third guest tonight in the heavy hitter lineup, president of the APTA's Rhode Island chapter and CEO of Performance Physical Therapy, Michelle Colley. Welcome to the show. Thank you, very much. Thank you very much. Well, I'm pleased that you realize I'm from Rhode Island since it sounds like you tend to forget that Rhode Island's even a state. What? How did I forget that? Well, early on, it's like, oh, we did not forget Rhode Island. <laughs> we forget Rhode Island. We're so little and I think we're cute and we try to have a big voice. But yeah, we're just a little state. I love, Rhode Island. I love Rhode Island. I did Block Island's in Rhode Island, right? Block Island is in Rhode Island. Block Island's a cool spot. I have mem many memories and actually some gaps in my memory for several times. I, say, I, I anticipated wow. good memories of, um, Rhode, of Block Island. They probably involve a beach, a moped, and a bar. That is all. Yes, all three of those things were actually in my trip to uh, to Block Island. Uh, Michelle, we met at Graham sessions like, well, I mean, it feels like a million years ago, but probably like three or four, right? Was that San Diego? We did. Probably. Though sometimes those meetings, I have um, moments that I forget as well, um, but not during the day. But um, yeah, I do believe that we probably we did. We absolutely did. So you've got a, a, a cool background, and I wanted you to go third because a couple times in the first two talks with Jay and with Angela, um, you've got this kind of media hat that you get to wear as well, similarly to me in, in terms of communication. Talk about what you get to do. I mean, you're CEO of something, so you've got to be able to communicate both internally and externally, but you also do some different communication stuff within the profession. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've had the privilege of being um, the president and chair of the PR and um, marketing committee for PPS. So I was a, a founder on that committee and I've been the chair of that committee for many years. And we really put together tools and resources 
to help those in private practice, and I wouldn't just say private practice, people in the PT industry talk about and message and market and even sell what we do. And I know that PTs think selling is dirty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but the fact is we do do it all the time and we need to be better at it so we can advocate better and we can show our value and we can get paid and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do believe really strongly and I spend a lot of time talking to students about it, other people in different kinds of practices, how we should talk about our profession because if we ever want to be considered the primary care providers in MSK Health, the only way to do it is to act like it. Act right. like it, and that means we have to be able to be comfortable speaking about it. What is physical therapy? We need to be able to answer that question without being like, "Oh yeah, we help people." Blah blah blah. We need to be able to truly speak about the value, and not just for the individual person, but for the overall. Um, from a population health standpoint, when we look at the downstream impact of what we can do as a profession. So you can tell I can easily get off on my segue and probably talk about this the same way you can, but I do believe it's something we need to encourage our clinicians at a grassroots level from students to brand new clinicians. You have to be comfortable speaking about the true value of what we do. Well, let me, let me key on a word that you just said there. I just had an interaction on Twitter Mm -hmm. about this with someone mm -hmm. um and that's the word sell where i still i i know i don't think i know it can come with a negative connotation and the person the interaction was this um doc j who we had on the show is a, just opened her private practice and is slaying it right and we really i mean during a pandemic she's doing really well as a private practitioner fantastic and she was talking about selling branded items like therabands or weights and, and from her clinic and she was like hey i figured out how to do this to brand my own gear and then sell the things that you, i might have been just telling people to go on amazon and get I'm selling it to my patients my clients and someone chimed in and was was being really sarcastic and kind of like just kind of negative around it like at what point at what point are we just selling everything and, and my response was um if you truly trust and respect the thing that you're selling because the thing could be your clinical reasoning your time your attention your knowledge uh your skill your your hands your ears um, if you truly trust and respect what you're selling and think the other person honestly truly needs it right i'm not telling you to sell someone something that you don't truly and honestly think they need i have no problem with that me neither and i don't understand why our grassroots profession does have a problem like yeah. you said, they think of it like a used car salesman we're not we are professionals experts in msk health as well as pediatrics cardiopulmonary all those others i think of all of those as specialty areas but we're experts in this we gain the trust of our patients they want us to give them recommendations. They trust us over going onto Google and typing in what kind of stretchy band should I have? Why wouldn't we give our patients the option and to let them make that decision themselves when we don't give them the option saying, hey, I recommend this TheraBand or this or this or this. I mean, I think we're doing a disservice when we're not making those recommendations and even better, um, I'm sorry, I don't know that person you're mentioning, but I'm going to check out who she is. But if she's figured out how to, to, to brand her products and build that up, that means anytime some that person has back pain or wants to run faster or someone has a slip and fall, 
bam, they're going to go to physical therapy. And maybe they go there first before seeking out a referral source or going to another provider. So I think we have to get much more comfortable with it. I mean, I never used to use the word sell because, you know, ooh, you know, people are scared of sell. I'd, I'd say this is just another way of advocating what we for what we do. But over the years, I've obviously drunk more alcohol, and you haven't asked me what I'm drinking, and that was oh, going to be. Sorry, I apologize. You threw me off with the road out. What are you drinking? <laughs> no, it's actually not very exciting. It's a Monday night, and normally yeah. I drink something really exciting, but I, I can't start my week here off with like a really good margarita. So it's a boring but really good um, oaky Chardonnay. But I think what's more important is what my my glass is. Okay, which let's is, close up to that. There we go. It's not really drinking alone if you're drinking with your dog. So I encourage you all that if you're home alone and, and need to have a cocktail, especially during COVID, it's yeah. okay. Anyway. Um, we're talking about selling and branding things. People would ask us with this show. It's called Pintcast. Hey, where can I get a, a pint glass? And, I, and for the longest time, I was like, I don't know. I got to figure it out, blah, 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 blah. So finally, I did it and I branded it. And this is the official PT Pintcast PT Pint Glass. And on the back, I've got my favorite saying from Game of Thrones, which is, I think, apropos for the profession, I drink and I know things. And these uh, the website. I like Game of Thrones at the moment because I feel like winter is coming as we think oh about it. Anyway, anyway hey, Jimmy, where can I get myself one of those? Can I buy one from you? You can, ptpinecast.com. Oh, maybe I'll just send you one. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I trust you. I like that. Hey. I like your brand. I want to, I, I want it. Right. We have, right. You, you've built a relationship. Now, disclaimer, because that's the kind of world we live in. You pushing something you don't honestly believe, that's wrong, but that's also just wrong. It's wrong. Exactly. I complete, yeah. But is selling human? I think to sell is human, says Daniel Pink in a great book that you should buy. And I have no monetary interest. But I think that if you trust me, you read this and your time will be well spent along with $13 or $16. I, I agree. I agree. So, uh, you know, obviously we're preaching to the choir when we preach to each other here. I but but I, I hope we're preaching in front of in front of other physical therapists who I think now more than ever are saying, OK, I'm seeing what these people are saying. These communicators are saying. And you're right. I, I, you do earn trust and you do earn respect from your patients and your community. And if you abuse that, you're bad. But if you, if you honestly think that this person can benefit from this, I would actually say it's a disservice not to offer them a choice, a choice. That's what you're, that's what selling really is. Yeah. You're giving them a choice. You're empowering them. They trust you. And I definitely think that because of COVID, um, especially in the outpatient world and private practice world, there's many practices they're having to redetermine how they do their marketing or even have to consider right. it and their messaging. And so I've seen a lot more demand for PTs going like, oh, how do I do this and really do it in the most efficient and effective and positive ways that speak to the values of my organization or my profession? I mean, I'm speaking, and again, this isn't a pitch for PPS conference that's coming up this week. It starts on Wednesday night. But there's a lot I'm speaking about marketing and messaging. It's all called, you know, stop the spaghetti throwing marketing. Like we have to figure out the right ways to message in a really professional ways that speak to what our profession does. Yeah.
Um, I, I will say that this this has always been my um, kind of soapbox, which is if you were at a backyard barbecue, right? So Michelle is at a backyard barbecue. And let's say you're a physical therapist, right? That's what you do. And there I am over there flipping burgers. I'm talking about my back pain. And you're like, you know, I could probably, if you wanted to come by the clinic tomorrow, I could probably show you a couple things. And that person turned to you and was like, ah, I'm just going to Google it and read a couple blog articles because, uh, you know, that's free. And you're like, all right. Um, that hurts, right? You'd, you'd be like, well, I've, this is my jam. But now conversely, if the person flipping burgers is maybe a communications, public relations or marketing professional, and the situation were flipped, if you were the clinic owner saying, you know, I just can't figure it out. I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall and nothing's working. And that person said, you know, I could uh, help you out. This is actually what I do for a living. And you said, ah, it's cool. I'm going to read a book or two and uh, read a couple of blog articles, listen to a podcast. I got it. I don't need professionals. Like that's disingenuous both ways. So I'm not saying don't read the books as a physical therapist, but I'm saying respect that there's an actual entire profession. I have a degree in it. Believe me, my parents were so confused when I went from communications to PT, but utilize professionals at what they're good at. Completely agree. And you know, there's one other um, healthcare provider that's figured out how to teach people this as an undergraduate, as an undergraduate degree. PTs, we've done a poor job, but you ask anyone walking around on the street, what does it, and this is nothing against chiropractors. What does a chiropractor do? And I will guarantee, I ask every new person who comes to performance, what does a chiropractor do? And I respect chiropractors. This is nothing bad. And they always use the word crack or back or manipulate and the word spine and fix it. Because chiropractors have figured out and they're so smart of how to message their value. And you ask people what PTs do and you're like, it's all right. A bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff. And we can get into this later. And I've talked about this before. I keep this in a post-it. Now, this is the, oh, I was talking about with Jay. This is my reflections. But like I was talking about this with some people from the Foundation for Physical Therapy today because I get to work with them a little bit. And this is the grunt test. I didn't come up with it. I read it in a book. But it's what do you do? How does it make my life better? How do I get it? And if your audience, and that can be anybody, if your audience can't answer those three questions really quickly and succinctly. And you just said that about chiropractors. Hey, kudos to them because they figured out how to make sure that their audience knows how to answer the grunt tests very quickly. They don't have to, there's no doubt, right? Where, where, take my money. Where am I going? And that's the thing. Whenever you're consuming social media content, a book, a title, you know, if you need a new toothbrush or something, what do you do? How does it make my life better? Because I'm the most important person in my life. And make sure you're very clear. Don't get to the one yard line and don't let them know where to get it. Right. Which is, by the way, check the link in the in the uh, the comments below. If you'd like to come to the uh, Northeast Conference on November 7th and programming will be available until January 31st. So great for people who can't join us live. No reason not to join. So that was the way for me to give your grunt test. Ah, oh, OK. So, oh, oh that, that was my grunt test. Well, that was that was a demonstration of, of ease of, of being able to communicate that. Absolutely. And I will speak to that a little bit because I just promoted, we just promoted a whole bunch of other things rather than the conference. But I am really excited for this conference. Through the whole COVID pandemic, I had the opportunity to work with the presidents of the surrounding states, the big boys, I could say, because we're just little Rhode Island. So Eric Fulmer, Mark Malik, Stephanie Barossa, they became like my BFFs. We met every week all through COVID and they were amazing. And through this, we helped each other and we helped each other state. We discovered how important it was to collaborate. I'm not a cardiovascular pulmonary therapist. I don't know anything about it. But the collaboration with Stephanie and now seeing what Angela has to say, we're all coming together to be stronger. 
And um, through the summer, we discussed what do we do about our conference? And I'm super excited because when I see who's speaking and presenting, like Lisa Van Hoos on social justice, we've got Eric Eisenhart. I mean, we've got this telehealth panel. We've got lots of really, really good material that's going to be beneficial to help take our profession to the next level. And it's not just musculoskeletal or it's not just for students. There's something there that helps to take our profession to the next level because that's where we have to go. Now is when we reinvent ourselves. We have to collaborate and learn and understand these different aspects of care and um, be better together. I stole that from someone. I think it was Massachusetts. Yeah, she's pretty good at uh, catchphrases and hashtags. But uh, but yes, so let's talk about something specific, right? So put your PT and communications hat on, right? You mentioned communicating with the state chapters uh, for this conference, but utilization of telehealth during COVID, like what do you see it as? Because now we're, we're really kind of coming into two things that you love and do really well. Do you see telehealth as an adjunct, an alternative? Do you see it going away? Is Is it part of the future? Is it a big part of the future? What do you think? I believe really strongly, and I will say I've had a lot of my experience, I'll backtrack a tiny bit, when COVID first hit, the practice that I have, we chose, because we didn't have the system set up, we chose to go 100% telehealth. So literally overnight, we took 60 or 70 PTs and turned them into full telehealth, and we maintained a 40% caseload. And at that stage, we weren't getting paid for a thing. So I took a big risk. It was probably the dumbest thing when I look back. However, you know, it helped us learn super quickly how to engage, how to utilize telehealth. Now, there's lots of naysayers out there. It shouldn't be part of what we do. It undervalues manual therapy, blah, blah, blah. I agree with it all. But telehealth, it's an adjunct. It gives us an opportunity to provide access to care for those people who can't come into the clinic. And whether it's COVID or whether it's a snowstorm or if they don't have a car or if they've got to work, there's lots and lots of reasons. And telehealth is just a different environment for us to practice. So it is an adjunct. It's not one or the other. I don't believe that these big box private equity bank um, companies can come in and take out the outpatient clinics because they surely can't get the same outcomes, the same following from patients, the same value from that in-person care. In-person care is amazing on so many levels. It's that human connection. However, telehealth is an adjunct, and we have to fight to now figure out the best clinical indications and the best way to provide it. Because unfortunately, the array of quality of what's being done for telehealth is all over the place. Right. So the studies are being done now with APTA, with other groups. I'm working on some work groups with national as well as through a COVID advisory telehealth section through the private practice section. So we're working on the clinical side to make sure the best clinical standards are set up and not just for outpatient. I'm excited for our um, panel that we are having because we're going to cover pediatrics, SNF, neuro, all these other kinds of settings and how does telehealth fit in there. We have to figure out clinically the best way to do it and utilize it. And then we have obviously got to deal with the payment. And we're doing that at grassroots levels with local payers. We're doing that with our big national payers. And then obviously at a federal level dealing with Medicare. So there's almost like these three different advocacy components that we're working on and we'll need to continue working on. But we need to have the studies. We need to show the research. We need to set it up. We need to have the schools teaching it. 
But I think the beauty thing, beautiful thing is one of my PTs said to me after we sort of got back into the clinic, and, and we're still doing telehealth, but just as an adjunct, he said to me, he goes, you know, telehealth was really hard and, and it's hard work. It's really hard work. You know, I got sick of it after a while because it is, it, you know, it isn't that much fun. It's fun for a few visits and you're like, I'd rather be in person. But he said, I learned how to communicate. I learned how important communication is. Yeah, learning that skill and holding that. Listen, and I learned how to do all that clinical decision making without just, you know, taking things for granted. I spoke to a bunch of students from URI today and I said, what's your biggest fear? And they're like, that we won't get the hands-on experience. And I said, but guess what? You're going to be way better communicators and that's going to serve you much better in the future of the profession because how you communicate with a person and now how you communicate, because you're not just thinking about their sore back or their arthritic knee, now you're thinking about the fact that they can't breathe and they're having cardiovascular issues. Now you're dealing with the depression because they couldn't go to work and do the things they want to do. So you're having to learn and communicate. And I think that will truly help take our profession to the next level. I love that. I mean, that was that was the, that was a part of PT school that you know, for me, a lot of things were hard, but in ortho, we learned subjective. And I remember a lot of my classmates were like, I don't, how do you know what question to ask next? And I was like, well, you need to listen to the answer to the previous question. And they were like blown away. And that's when I realized, oh, I did this for a while. This is a, a muscle I flexed for a couple of years and it's terribly important. So important. And it's not very, the problem is I think at PT school, it's not very sexy. Right. It is. It's you know, get your hand under someone and crack their thoracic spine and go woohoo! Yeah. Answering the asking a question and they tell you the answer and you're like, oh, I figured out what's wrong with this person and how I'm going to help them. Yeah, I actually got dinged on the subjective like practical exam because I um because I asked an open like a, a really open ended question and I gave my professor crap because he was like, well, that wasn't a good question and because the, the my response was, tell me more about that. He's like, I told you, I was like, I didn't understand it and me asking you to go around it again. I didn't understand it. So I don't, yeah. like, you didn't, it's not a check the box thing. I need understanding. I need to get something from you before I can give something to you because I want to give you the right thing. It's completely right. I mean, and, and the asking the questions and sitting back and listening, it is for some reason our profession should be better at that. Yeah. As I try and help our, um, help our colleagues with their marketing and messaging, when they're like, oh, I don't know what to say if I call up a doc. And I'm like, ask them questions. And they're like, well, what do I ask them? I'm like, oh my God, what, what do you think you ask them? You ask them open-ended questions. You're trying to learn. You're trying to learn and then you're trying to find solutions to help them and provide value. And they're not taught how to do it. And that's, we have to be better at it. We have to be better with our patients and we have to be better with the overall public. And there's, our no, there's no one right question to no fill the box. Right. So make sure you're comfortable asking that. I always tell people, you want to sound like the, 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 the most interesting person at a dinner party? Ask a bunch of questions. Completely. It, it just works because this guy's really interesting. I'm like, actually, he's really interested, but it, he came off as interesting. Yeah. I would add the, the, the one thing as well. And we're on this platform right now, how we're recording and people are watching us live and they're going to watch this video later. And we could zoom in and zoom out. We could do all these different buttons. Right. I would say get really comfortable long before you see a patient with your technology. I don't want to see you fumbling. You would never want to fumble with a goniometer or a piece of equipment or an apparatus in front of a patient. 
Don't do it here either. So practice with your colleagues or practice by yourself. Get comfortable and have a backup plan. Hey, if this thing crashes, because technology is awesome when it works, um, but be comfortable with your tools because now a laptop or and, and this computer programs are part of your toolbox. Be comfortable with those things because your patient is going to be sensing your nervousness or you're not knowing how to do it. They're going to read something about that and they're right that you didn't come prepared. Listen, if you know your tool well and something goes wrong and you're fixing it, someone can tell I'm super comfortable with this. I'm, I'm really sorry right now. This thing is just acting up. But if you're freaking out and your eyeballs are like this, you didn't, and you weren't comfortable with your tool, that's on you. Excellent point. I'll add to that. One of the other things that we're doing in our practice is when we see a new patient now, in preparation for some of the uncertainty that's um, going on in our community, and it's not even COVID related, but we tell our patients on their initial visit, hey, if suddenly you can't come in, or there's a snowstorm, or you have to quarantine, or your therapist does, here's another way that we will see you. Let's show you in the clinic what that looks like. So even if the, if it comes to a moment when you do have to access care in that way, the patient doesn't get a call saying, oh, guess what? We're going telehealth today. And they're like, what the hell is telehealth? Right. They're already prepped. And they realize that this is a normal part of a normal option for delivery of care. And you you went through, hey, what are we doing here? Just it's an option. Might happen. What do you do? How does it make my life better? No missed visits. Um, you might, if you, if you're stuck on time, but you still want to see me and then how do I get it? I will lead you to that when the time is right. I love that. That's smart on you. That's, that's really good preemptive. All right, let's bring our, uh, our esteemed previous guests back in Angela and, uh, Jay, everybody welcome back to the show. There we go. All right. So I'm excited. November 7th is where we can get uh, a little taste of all of this and more. We're actually be broadcasting. Uh, the keynote, Lisa Van Hoos, we're going to have her on the show um, then. I'm pretty excited about that. She was on the show not long ago. She can bring it. If you've seen her speak, she comes, as we just talked about with Angela, very prepared with a great message that people really, really want to learn. So that's uh, that's something worth uh, noting. Again, the link in the comments below, New England Regional Conference on November 7th. I'm excited. I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. I think this is a, a direction that is, I don't think it's going to go back, even if, and this Angela kind of touched on this with telehealth, when we will go back, and believe me, I'm, I'm all for getting back in person when it's safe, but I think there'll always be a streaming option, which I'm excited about because that, that increases access and access, accessibility. Um, I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, we're going to do something called three questions. Are you guys ready for that? Ready. Three questions. Let's do that. Got the three questions music, funky music. There we go. Three questions brought to you by our friends from Arius Medical Staffing. Uh, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. Hashtag travel PT. They're leaders there. So see what positions they have. All 50 states. And Washington, D.C. Don't forget about the district in all uh, settings as well. It's not just and Rhode Island. And Rhode Island. It's a state. It's a mighty Rhode Island. Uh, find them online, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. We're going to go around the horn, Michelle, Angela, J. First question is a where question. Michelle, you are in Rhode Island. But once it's safe to travel, where's the first place you want to go in the 50 U.S. states? Where's the first place you're going to head to? I'd really love to go to the mountains in Colorado and climb high. Get high, climb high. Get high, climb high. And now, looser uh, re regulation in in, uh, in Colorado. You can do both of those things. You can climb high and you get high. Uh, Angela, where are we going once you can go safe? 
You know, it depends on if it's cold here, when, when safe is going to be, but if it's a cold in winter, I'm going to head somewhere South and warm. And, yeah. uh, and if it's summer, then yeah, I might head, head to some mountains, go to Alaska, something like that. Smart. Uh, Jay, where are you going to go once it's safe? You know, I've, I always love Nashville, Tennessee, so I'd love to get back down to Nashville. Yeah, never had a bad time in Nashville. Well, uh, all those locations you guys mentioned, they have people there, and with people, you need physical therapists, and that's where Arius comes in. Again, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com, leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. See what's available for you. Second question is a what question. So, Michelle, you're going to lead off. What's something you've watched or read or listened to? A book, a movie, a podcast, something that you just think was great, you think the audience could get value from, doesn't even need to be PT-related. You know, I just forgot the name of it. I know I discussed this and maybe you have it in your notes, Jimmy. How's that? Yeah. What, it, what is the, what is the deal? It's about, it's a book that is written by the captain of the all blacks from New Zealand. Oh yes. Leadership, but it's like down and dirty leadership, but it's funny. Obviously I'm from New Zealand. Well, right. maybe not obvious, but I am. And the all blacks is our national rugby team. And they're world famous and um, they really get into the leadership of a team and what the coach has done. And there's some traditional and non-traditional things, but it gets into communication. It gets into team collaboration, but it's really funny and it has lots of great lessons. And I often send that book to people. Legacy, James Kerr. Thank you very much. Thank you, Internet. All right, Angela, what do you got? Something, uh, book, movie, podcast, what do you got? Yeah, so uh, one of the things with this, whole pandemic is sometimes you just need a little bit of levity. And one of the things, especially with the political world, I think of, uh, I'm here in Connecticut, live in Connecticut, work at Springfield College in Massachusetts, but I was thinking of what would Mark Twain be saying about these times? And, <laughs> and as I talked about masks, so one is, you know, just some of his writings, but uh, a really great quote is, it is by the goodness of God that in our country, we have those three unspeakably precious things, Freedom of speech, free, uh, freedom of conscience, and the prudence never to practice either of them. So again, <laughs> thinking of how we should be helping to protect each other as well. So what do you mean, little Mark Twain. I love that. Love the levity. Jay, what do you got? Book, movie, podcast. What's something the audience can get value from? Yeah, you know what? It was it was a ESPN special. You know, the the Alex Smith special was really and obviously um, PT related. I, you know, I have a hard time getting away from that. But with him making his way back to the field only a couple of weeks ago. Boy, holy cow! I and mean, what that guy went through, and and kudos to the to the folks in our profession who who are involved in that, uh, both his care, the delivery of the of the documentary. I mean, it, it was great stuff. So cool to see him uh, get back to the field. Almost unbelievable. How cool was that? A PT awesome. was actually the reporter. Stefania Bell was the reporter yeah. on ESPN. She's a PT and a reporter. Yeah, and awesome. then one of our sponsors, Johnny Owens, mentioned at the top of the show, he was on camera doing the BFR and definitely a former guest, you know, PT in Virginia, like. How cool is that? That yeah. it was like a, a really great, you know, well-positioned time. And and then I literally had to ask the question sheepishly because I interviewed Johnny the night before that special aired on ESPN. And I was like, is is playing really his goal? Like, is that I was kind of like, is that possible? Because I saw the footage, man. And I mean, they were talking amputation. And then, right. he, and then he came on the field just two or three weeks ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was blown away. Crazy. Crazy. Good, good, stuff. good stuff. If you haven't seen it as a physical therapist, you need to. Um, and last question is always a who question. Always starting them with people. Michelle, who's someone the audience should know more about? That's a really tough question. I know. 
I don't really know how to answer that question because there's so many people that we should all know more about. People should know more about you, Jimmy, actually. How about that? <laughs> they should know more about you because of your ability to communicate and educate about who we are and what they do. Is that uh, lame? No, that's not lame. It's just I'm embarrassed. My face is all red. Thank you. <laughs> so please, I embarrassed him on camera. Yeah, but get out there and keep you should be on you should be on those shows and make a 60 minutes and do all of that. Like take oh. it to the next level, dude. I'm in. Let's go. Maybe someone I'm, if you got an agent, I get I need an agent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need my face to stop being this red, so we'll go to Angela. Who's someone the audience should know more about? Please don't say. I anything. I think you I think you should get to know Tracy Norris. Okay, uh, she has been the practice chair for the Academy of Acute Care and working with Cardio Palm. We've been doing a uh, we're actually going to be presenting at CSM a thing on bringing vitality to vital signs, a nice vital sign guide for acute care physical therapists. Um, She's also running for president of the Acute Care Academy. So future president Tracy Norris is a good one to know. I like it. Way to slip that in there. I like it. Got a stump. Got a stump. I like it. All right. So, uh, Jay, no pressure. You get to follow that. Who is someone the audience you know more about? Yeah. So I'm going to answer that question, Jimmy. And then I want to make another comment before you uh, before you move on. But uh, I think I would, uh, you know, I always think about our our future, right? Our emerging leaders, those emerging DPT leaders, you know, DPT students and uh, and new grads. You know, it's. It's hard to keep tabs on these folks, but you kind of have that sense that, you know what, this person's going to go on and do great things. And, and, you know, I think for the student leaders that are out there getting to know each other in this network, I think, you know, stay together and, and do great things. And, and I think just trying to be on the lookout for who those, you know, who, who the future wave will be. Yeah. I think uh, that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's stuff to look out for. But Jimmy, I'd be remiss. I need to reverse the role here a little bit and interview the interviewer. Because of you. course you'll be you'll be presenting at our conference on November seventh. I will. Thank you and, for opening that up. And perhaps you should give a quick little blurb about what you're going to be doing on on the seventh. I was working on my presentation on my coffee table that I'm gesturing to off off camera today, and uh, really it was it was broadcast your profession is what I'll be talking about, and I I just want to bring in basics. Like I want to bring in communication basics. So I don't know if I'm changing the title of my presentation, but I'm changing the focus. I'm doing the eleven commandments of communication. I couldn't keep it to 10. Moses was way more succinct than I. So I'm doing the 11 commandments of communication. I want someone to walk out of the room, the virtual room on this at this conference um, with some things. And out of 11, maybe they pick up three. That's really my goal, right? I'm going to be realistic. But I want them to be, as we always say, when you do a continuing education course like you do, Monday morning applicable. I want you to be able to see a patient and go, huh, okay, I can see where I can apply this. And the things that I would like Think I'm going to give you are basics there provider to patient, provider to colleague, provider to public. Like these are the basics. So that's the great thing about them is you can and should be applying these everywhere. Talking about when you, you mentioned reflection earlier, something you should do. You should be paying attention to how you're communicating. I mean, this, I, I don't want to get, you know, too relationshipy advice. This isn't like a relationship talk show or anything, but you know, how you communicate with anybody, you know, a close relationship, your family, your friends. Um, listening should probably be the first part of that. I mean, people know me as the guy who talks a lot because I do. Um, but I do, I try to do a lot of active listening, which actually takes effort. So active listening is definitely one of my 11 commandments of communication. So that will awesome. be available in the, uh, the conference as well. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. And this awesome. is my first virtual conference to present. So I, I got to know my platform and I've got to change my presentation a little bit because this tool that I'm using is going to change. So 
that's kind of something we were talking about with Michelle there for a second is know your tool. So thank you for opening the door for me and letting awesome. me talk. I yeah, well, we're, we're excited to have you there. Looking forward to it. I'm pumped. All right. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our friends in the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. Uh, a lot of ISCs, that's independent study courses that they've got. If you're thinking about, as Jay mentioned, like, hey, maybe maybe board certification is for you. Current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy kind of walks you right through there. So if that's something you want to do, uh, a lot of people picked up a pair of sneakers for the first time in a long time during COVID. So they've got an independent study course. Maybe you're going to start to see an influx of runners. Maybe that's not your right down the middle, but you want to learn and level up your game. They've got that too. Or we can go super micro tissue tolerance. All falls under orthopedic physical therapy. So find them online at orthopt.org. Uh, parting shot, your last chance for kind of just a mic drop moment or a reiteration for something that you'd want to leave with the audience. Michelle, what do you got? Your parting shot. Why do I always have to go first? This is kind of clockwise. I don't know. <laughs> My oh, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on a second. We'll go clockwise. But now change <laughs> clockwise. So who's that? It's me now? Yeah, you, you're now All clockwise. Right. What do you got? Party uh, show. Yeah, you know what? I mean, you know, obviously the, the primary goal for tonight was to certainly talk about our upcoming conference. I hope that, that we can get you guys to join us there November 7th. You know, I, I think for a great price, you're getting a very good amount of pro. I mean, 30, 30 different educational sessions. I think something like 30 posters and platforms. Uh, really at a at a very, very, very reasonable, cheap, in fact, I would say, price because of the current situation and offering this virtually. And again, you're getting resources from across four states. I think it's a unique opportunity with great upside. Social net, I mean, even just social networking. I think we're doing a happy hour on Friday evening. Yeah. Um, you know, you used to just do that with your 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 colleagues from your own state. And now we got colleagues from four states within, you know, three hour drive. So uh, good stuff. Take a look at the programming and, and consider joining us on the 7th live if you can. Or keep in mind, programming will stay available until uh, the end of uh, January. Like Netflix. You guys are making your own Netflix special that's still available till the end of the year. I like that. That's, smart. <laughs> that's right. Very smart. All right, Angela, you're up. Parting shot. What do you got for us? Uh, so just reiterating that mask work, that, that mask won't drop your oxygen. And I think, you know, go, coming into this conference, you've got a long time to use the information so go outside your shell a little bit and try something new. So if, you know, I, I, I always say if I, if I had, if I had another PT profession, it might even be in women's health. But so I love to go to things that are not cardiopulmonary and learn about them and see what I can bring back in. Connect those dots. It's only going to help you and your patients ultimately. All right, Michelle. You're batting cleanup now, as we call it here in the States. Well, they all said, they all said the important things. So there's nothing. No, I would say like... <laughs> You know what? We are part of an amazing profession. We can help so many people. We all got in it. And now's the time that our profession has the opportunity to evolve and be the leaders in MSK care, as well as all the adjunct areas. We have to be the best at it. We have to be great communicators. We have to connect with each other. And what a great platform to do it. I personally... Through, I know I'm sick of Zoom because I end up drinking too much because we can. <laughs> but really, I've connected and become such good friends with so many people. And if you make the effort to join for the conference, you too will meet more people, invest in more relationships, and be a better clinician and a better 
provider in your community. So you'll be a happier person for it. It takes hard work, it takes effort, but it's well worth the, it's rewarding and it's well worth it. So please join us. Love it. Great parting shot. Guys, uh, looking forward to interacting with you guys coming up on uh, November 7th through the end of the year, if you want to watch the replay as well. Uh, thanks for taking some time out to have a, a drink or two with us uh, on the show and spreading some good work. Thanks for putting to together the effort and uh, making this thing possible. Thank you. Right. So thank, much. You. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. Great time. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.